I had to do a lot of digging for my notes to get all the information that I wanted. So you gotta think, a lot of this information I was able to find has to come. What is an episode without a little slash? So, that has nothing to do with where I'm going. Of course not. Sometimes you just put songs on the front of things that you want songs on there. And their producers and I just add them on there. So, that was in the beginning there. As I was surprised to find out after I first heard the song, I'm like, that's a cool song. I really liked it. I, I called that the Joker's Band. I didn't know you are thinking, huh? What? Well, that was 30 Seconds to Mars. And the lead singer of 30 Seconds to Mars is Jared Leto. And Jared Leto played the Joker in Suicide Squad. Now, some would argue that... (coughs) Some would argue that sneezes just randomly sneak up on you, (laughs) as you just heard. Some would argue that the original Suicide Squad with the one with Will Smith and Jared Leto and was the better of the two because just of the way it portrayed the characters and the new Suicide the Suicide Squad or the newer one was kind of like off kilter it was just too unbalanced I guess would be the way to put it um I'm not sure which one I like a little bit better, although, no, no, I might lean a a little bit more towards the original, Um, which is not to say that the characters are better than than all the other characters, like Jared Leto's Joker is better than than Michael Keaton's or Heath Ledger's. No, 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 no. But everyone has a different perception on the character and a different way of portraying them. So I wouldn't say... I might lean a little bit more towards the first one, and I don't know that I would say that all that much that one is extremely grand in comparison to the other one, although my favorite DC character is in those is in those movies. No, Superman's not in those movies. I'm talking about Margot Robbie's Harley. God, I love Margot Robbie's Harley. But that's just way beside the point. What I'm going to get into now is what I mentioned in the podcast Facebook community. 
And I'm going to talk a little bit about the, what, what is known in France as the Ancien Regime. And the, a lot on the last queen of France. And everyone knows her name. Everyone knows who knows history knows her name or has heard of her. Marie Antoinette. And imagine this, if you will. It's the 18th century. At the court of Versailles. The residence of the last queen of France. Marie Antoinette, a figure who is still controversial to this day. Born in 1755 in Vienna, at the tender age of 14, Marie Antoinette marries the heir to the French throne, Louis Auguste, who later becomes King Louis XVI of France. A lot of this is from Britannica, Encyclopedia Britannica, Wikipedia, my sources where I go to get all this. The jovial Marie soon falls into disfavor at the court, demonstrating little interest in the ceremonial conventions of courtly life. She occupies her time with balls, fashion matters, and imaginative hairstyles. Her decadent lifestyle also quickly draws the attention and displeasure of the French people. Upon hearing of the people's uprisings, of their hunger and poverty, she is said to have uttered a sentence that has gone down in history. She has said, which history has proven she didn't actually say, but theory has accredited to her, and a lot of stories have said, said about her. She says, the people have no bread, then let them eat cake. That was attributed to her, or people given to her, and history has proven that she never actually said that. She never actually uttered those words. Now, why it was attributed to her, I don't know. I can never, I can never like figure that out or never give you evidence as to why that's the case. I think because of the Ancien Regime and the way the French people became, uh, looked at the Ancien Regime and the way the revolution came about, that they portrayed Marie and Louis in disfavoring as, an, as a horrifying negative light because they wanted that impression to be given and they wanted that to go around. So that's how, and they gave, and they made up this quote and gave her credit for it. And she ever, never actually said that. It is only in 1789, at the beginning of the French Revolution, that Marie Antoinette becomes politically active. Above all, to preserve the throne for her, for her children. As the situation worsens, the royal family attempt to flee abroad, but the people catch up with the coach. Of, the people catch up with the coach in Varennes. Marie Antoinette is taken back to Paris with her family, and placed under heavy guard. Marie still manages, manages, however, to write letters and smuggle them out appealing to Europe's rulers to crush the revolution by force. The king's apathy leads her to take charge of all the negotiations, but her lack of both experience and accurate information make it impossible for Marie to maintain a clear course. As her efforts to save her family and the crown fail, the revolution can no longer be stopped. In 1793, Following a show trial, Louis XVI is executed by a famous 
device that would bear bear the name of a famous person, the guillotine. Um, that I'm trying to bear with me for a second. I'm blanking on his I'm blanking on his name, and I know I posted it in the podcast Facebook community. And I'm kind of blanking, and I don't know why I'm blanking. It kind of happens when you kind of when you kind of are recording, and you kind of gotta you kind of gotta roll with the punches, and it's not the internet is not behaving itself. There is Joseph Ignace Guillotin, and the guillotine was named after him. He did he did not invent it. And he opposed the death penalty, but his name has somehow become attached to it. So it's Joseph Ignace Guillotin, and they—that's uh, how Louis and eventually Marie. That's how Louis and Marie were executed. In October of the same year, Marie Antoinette is brought before th- before the court. After a 15-hour marathon trial, she is unanimously declared guilty on all counts. The sentence had already been clear before the trial even began. Her death sentence. Marie walks to the guillotine composed and with pronounced royal dignity. On October 16, 1793, Marie Antoinette is executed in Paris at the, at the Place de la Révolution, known today as the Place de la Concorde. There is a lot of a lot of stories about her and a lot of legends about her and what what her what her legacy what her legacy is. Marie's position at court improves when this is and this is going back quite a few years because I switched pages in my notes here and I'm going back. Her position at court improved when, after eight years of marriage, she started having children. She became increasingly unpop. She became increasingly unpopular among the people. However, when the French, when the, when the French began accusing her of being promiscuous, harboring sympathies for France's perceived enemies, particularly in her native Austria and her children being illegitimate. The false accusations of the affair of the diamond necklace damaged her reputation further. During the Revolution, she became known as Madame Deficit because of the country's financial crisis, which was blamed on her lavish spending and her opposition to the social and financial reforms. Several events were linked to Marie during the Revolution, after the government had placed the royal family under house arrest in the Tuileries Palace in October of 1789. The June 1791 attempted flight to Varennes and her role in the War of the First Coalition had disastrous effects on French popular opinion. On August 10, 1792, the attack on the Tuileries forced the royal family to take refuge at the assembly, where they were imprisoned in the Temple Prison on August 3rd, 13th. On, on September 21st, 1792, 
The monarchy was abolished. Louis was executed by guillotine on January 21st, 1793. Marie's trial began on October 14th, 1793, and she was convicted two days later by a revolutionary tribunal for high treason and executed also by the guillotine. Her full name, at least as we can decipher, is, and my page just jumped as it tends to do, Maria Antonia. Maria Antonia was born on November 2nd, 1755 at the Ho at the Hofburg Palace in Vienna, Austria. She was the youngest daughter of Empress Maria Theresa, ruler of the Habsburg Empire, and her husband, Francis I, Holy Roman Emperor. Her godparents were Joseph I and Mariana Victoria, King and Queen of Portugal, Archduke Joseph and Archduchess Maria, Maria Anna acted as proxies for their newborn sister. Maria Antonia was born on All Souls Day, a Catholic holiday of mourning, and during her childhood, her birthday was instead celebrated the, the day before, on All Saints Day, due to the connotations of the date. Shortly after her birth, she was placed under the care of the governess of the imperial children, Countess von Brandeis, Brandeis, Countess von Brandeis, sorry, butchering that name as I tend to do sometimes. Maria Antonia was raised together with her sister, Maria Carolina, who was three years older, and with whom she had a lifelong close relationship. Maria Antonia had a, had a difficult but ultimately loving relationship with her mother, who referred to her as, as, the, little, as the little Madame Antoine. Maria Antonia spent her formative years between the Hofburg Palace in the Schoenbrunn, the imperial summer residence in Vienna, where, on October 13, 1762, when she was seven, she met Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. There's a name that rings the bell to everyone. Two months her junior and a child prodigy. Despite the private tutoring she received, the results of her schooling were less than satisfactory. At the age of ten, she could not write correctly in German, or in any language commonly used at court, such as French or Italian, and conversations with her were stilted. Under the teaching of Christoph Will Willibald Gluck, Maria Antonia developed into a good musician. She learned to play the harp, the harpsichord, and the flute. She sang during the family's evening gatherings as she was known to have had a beautiful voice. She also excelled at dancing, had exquisite poise, and loved dolls. Later, in 1768, Matthieu Jacques de Vermond was dispatched by Louis XV to tutor Marie Antoinette, Marie Antoinette as she became the future wife of Louis, the, Louis XVI. Serving as an educator, Abbe de Vermond, which his name got boiled down to, found her to be unsatisfactorily educated and lacking in, at the age of 13, important writing skills. 
Nonetheless, he also complimented her, stating, stating her character, her heart, were and are excellent. He found her more intelligent than has been generally su supposed, but since she has ra she she is rather lazy and extremely frivolous, he says she was hard to teach. As the Dauphine of France, from roughly I wrote down 1770, and a second I wrote it down, I immediately wrote it in the sense of like, like noted it in my notes. I wrote it down and immediately went, mm, maybe, maybe not. So I believe she was the, Do the Dauphine of France from 1770 to referring back to Wikipedia here. Let's scroll down through the pages. There it is, 1770 to 1774. Following the Seven Years' War, and the diplomatic revolution, revolution of 1756, Empress Maria Theresa decided to end hostilities with her longtime enemy, King Louis XV of France. Their common desire to destroy the ambitions of, the, of Prussia and Great Britain, and to secure a definitive peace between their respective countries, led them to seal their alliance with a marriage. With a marriage, on February 7, 1770. Louis XV formally requested the hand of Maria Antonia for his eldest surviving grandson and heir, Louis Auguste, Duke de Berry of Dauphin of France. Maria Antonia formally renounced her rights to, Habsbur to Habsburg domains, and on April 19th, she was married by proxy to the Dauphin of France at the Augustinian Church in Vienna with her brother Archduke Ferdinand oh there's a name that'll jump out to everyone who knows history isn't it lovely that those costs just sneak up on you when you least expect it he uh, with a Archduke Ferdinand standing in for the Dauphin on May 14th she met her husband at the edge of a, of the forest of of Compiègne, C O M P I E G N E. Sorry, sorry. I'm gonna look butcher it as always. Upon her arrival in France, she adopted the French version of her name, Marie Antoinette. A further ceremonial wedding took place on May 16, 1770, in the Palace of Versailles, and. After the festivities, the day ended with a ritual, which are with a with the ritual. I'm having trouble tongue tying, getting my tongue tied there. The day ended with the with the ritual bedding. See, I'm just you just stumble, and there and I apologize to everyone. I just stumbled radically, really, really strongly over that. The couple's long-time failure to consummate the marriage plagued the reputations of both Louis Auguste and Marie Antoinette for the next seven years. The initial reaction to the marriage between Marie Antoinette and Louis Auguste was mixed. On the one hand, the Dauphine was a beautiful, personable, and well-liked woman by the common people. Her first official appearance in Paris on June 8, 1773 was a resounding success. On the other hand, those opposed to the alliance with Austria had a difficult relationship with Marie Antoinette, as did others who disliked her for more 
for more personal or petty reasons. Madame du Barry proved a troublesome foe to the new Dauphin. Dauphine. She was Louis XV's mistress and had a considerable political influence over him. In 1770, she was instrumental in ousting Etienne Francois, Duc de Choiseul, who had, who had helped orchestrate the Franco-Austrian alliance and Marie Antoinette's marriage, and in exiling, exiling his sister, the Duchess de Gramont, one of Marie Antoinette's ladies-in-waiting. Marie Antoinette was persuaded by her husband's aunts to refuse to acknowledge Du Barry, with some, which some saw as a political blunder that jeopardized Austria's interests at the French court. Marie Antoinette's mother and the Austrian ambassador to France, who sent the Empress secret reports on Marie Antoinette's behavior, pressured Marie Antoinette to speak to Madame du Barry, which she grudgingly agreed to on New Year's Day 1772. Jumping way ahead to 1774, I, wrote a lot of, I took down a lot of notes here and, and they jumped. Upon the death of Louis XV on May 10th, 1774, the Dauphin ascended the throne as King Louis XVI of France. And Navarre, N-A-V-A-R-R-E, with Marie Antoinette as his royal consort. At the outset, the new queen had limited political influence with her husband, who, with the support of his two most important ministers, blocked several of her candidates from assuming important positions. The queen did play a decisive role in the disgrace and exile of the most powerful of Louis XV's ministers. On May 24, 1774, two weeks after the death, two weeks after the death of Louis XV, the king gave his wife the Petit Trianon, a small chateau on the grounds of Versailles, that had been built by Louis XV for his mistress. Louis XVI allowed Marie to renovate it and to suit her to suit her own tastes. Soon, rumors circulated that she had plastered the walls with gold and diamonds. Which, t coming from someone who's actually been there, um, is not really true. So, let me just... People are trying to put off this... Put, see what I was saying earlier? Give Marie this face of gaudiness, of extravagance going way overboard. Which was not exactly true. So, the, the Queen spent heavily on fashions, luxuries, and gambling through the country that the country was facing a grave financial crisis and the population was suffering. Rose Bretin created, created dresses for her and hairstyles such as poofs, P-O-U-F-S, up to three feet high and, and, a, pan, and a panache, P-A-N-A-C-H-E, a spray of feathered plumes, of feather plumes. She and her court also adopted the English fashion of dresses made from a, from a material banned in France from 1686 until 1759 to protect local French woolen, woolen and silk industries. By the time of the Flower War of 1775, 
a series of riots had damaged her reputation among the general public. Eventually, Marie's reputation was no better than that of the favorites, um, was no better than that of the general public. Eventually, Marie re- Eventually, Marie's reputation started to rebound a little. Many French people were beginning to blame her for the, de- for the degrading economic situations, suggesting the country's inability to pay off its debt was a result of her wasting the crown's money. In her correspondence, Marie's, in her correspondence, Marie's mother, Maria Theresa, expressed concern over her daughter's spending habits, citing the civil unrest it was, it was beginning to cause. Scrolling down through my notes here. Despite the general celebration over the birth of an heir, Marie's political influence, such as it was, did greatly benefit Austria. During the Kettle War, in which her brother Joseph attempted to open the, the Schilt River for naval passage, Marie succeeded in, uh, in, obli- in obliging Verganess to play huge, to pay huge, and again, just the, just the name there, Verganess, to pay huge financial compensation to Austria. Finally, the Queen was able to obtain her brother's support against Great Britain with the American Revolu- in the American Revolution, and she naturalized French hostility to his alliance with Russia. A lot of things that exist in the, this country that we use as symbols of our democracy and symbols symbols of our our country were French and gifts from France, like the Statue of Liberty is a gift from France. So you can see how this a lot of things that Marie did and that the monarchy did and that she did were French gifts from French for France. In 1782, after the governess of the royal children, the princess de, de Guimene went bankrupt and resigned. Marie appointed her favorite, the Duchess, the Duchess de Polignac, to the position. This decision met with disapproval from the court, as the Duchess was considered to be too modest origins. The Duchess was considered to be of too modest origins. I'm really sorry for jumping around through these notes a lot and kind of getting more tangled up than I intended to be. So I apologize to everyone for getting as tangled up as I am. So I'm trying to just read through my notes, and the notes are jumping around a lot and where I think I can pronounce certain things they're causing me to trip up a little so I apologize and thank you all so much for, for sticking around as long as you have these these minutes that we're into it and hanging around I think thank you so much and I know this is kind of like a little off track here and a little off course here I wanted to get into the Ancien Regime and touch on a little bit and this is a little bit of the Ancien Regime, which refers to the regime before the French Revolution, which is which was Marie and Louis the Fifteenth and Louis the Sixteenth's reign, 
it occurred in their that's what the the Ancien regime was referring to and the revolution the French revolution opposed that and changed that now it gave birth to a lot of i mean a lot of horrifying things that occurred there you should look you should you should look into documentaries and look into more than what i've been saying about the French revolution you you meet people like Maximilien Robespierre and people like that people who 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 were orators and preached preached i've seen a lot of documentaries and it seems like he well on him specifically he there's a lot of fear and and trying to trying to convince people to, to to stand up for what you want stand up for what you believe in but his way of doing it was to, was for fear and the committee uh, committee on public safety and that was a like ex- you may if you, when you hear about uh, Robespierre's Polit- committee of public safety you kind of go that is a pretty liberal pretty extravagant use of the term public safety because you just you gotta read into it, you gotta look into it. It's kind of it's it's really like huh, interesting on it. There's a lot about it that's just really really weird. And Marie and Louis were very interesting people. You can't you can't blame the you can't blame Marie for. I mean, you can. I, I I understand what the French people were saying, that we're suffering and we're all this, and then our leaders, our our monarchs, who we have no voice. They're not allowing us voice to speak to to say our piece. Are living high high and mighty. They're living. They're they're blowing our coffers, the national coffers, on extravagant thing is that they don't need it's it's interesting it's just it's really and so i kind of get where the what the french people were thinking and what they were saying by thinking that by thinking and saying that we don't have this we don't have any of these we don't have any of all this and our king and queen are are taking control of things and taking control and extravagantly doing all these things and the impression that I've been given on a lot of the documentaries that I've seen is that Louis the 16th was trying was tried he was portrayed as kind of like a pushover I guess is the word to say and he wasn't the greatest ruler that he could have been and with Marie's the way Marie grew up and the way her life led her to be, she got a lot of extravagance. She led to a lot of extravagances, and a lot of her spending was because of that. There's a lot about, and I would, and I would, I would look into some, some documentaries. There's a lot of documentaries about her are pretty cool and pretty interesting to find out some stuff. So again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you all so much for listening and sticking around with me as long as you all have. I appreciate it all and. I, I apologize for jumping around a lot and having trouble with a lot of these things. But thank you all so much for sticking around with me as long as you have. Stick around for a little more in the end here.
want to check out the best travel vlogger and videos anywhere, go to Atlantic City, Disney, Six Flags, all along the Atlantic City boardwalk, and go to Vegas. Check out the New York channel, N-U-Y-A-W-K, on YouTube. You will be thoroughly impressed and thoroughly entertained. You will love every second of what you're seeing. Go to YouTube and check out N-U-Y-A-W-K. You'll love what you're seeing. You'll enjoy every second of it. Want to check out the best podcast and best YouTube channel out there? True, true friends of this podcast? Check out Fantastic Cruising over on Apple Podcasts and all your favorite podcasting devices and services. Give them a five-star review. Head on over to YouTube. Look up Fantastic Studios. Give them a five-star review and give them comments. They'll love that to death. They are the greatest podcast out there. Give them a shout-out. Want to check out the most amazing adventure in sports and athletic movies anywhere and everywhere? Check out the Locker Room Flicks podcast on Apple Podcasts and all podcasting platforms everywhere. You'll love it.